This is Creative Mornings, a new podcast showcasing the global creative community. This episode is brought to you by MailChimp. MailChimp helps businesses grow. If you're just getting started or you're already building a growing business, MailChimp makes it easy to connect with your customers and sell more stuff. It's totally free to get started, no expiring trial, and no credit card required. For more sophisticated marketers, pro features like multivariate testing offer the same power you'd expect in an enterprise marketing platform in an intuitive, easy-to-use interface. Learn more at MailChimp.com. Hi, folks. This is Matt, and welcome to the Creative Mornings Podcast. This week's episode is certainly a conversation starter. In April of 2014, Creative Mornings founder Tina Roth-Eisenberg asked her friend Cindy Gallup to speak as part of a series on sex. Cindy is the perfect speaker for this topic, and you're going to find out why in a second. But first, while this episode may revolve around the dialogue of sex, or the lack thereof, the language that's used throughout could be viewed by some listeners as offensive, or even at the very least, just make you feel uncomfortable. And I want to give you fair warning, should you be in the car with the kids, or with your parents... (laughs) Just keep that in mind. So with that out of the way, a short background. Cindy Gallup has put in 30 years working in brand building, marketing, and advertising. In 2003, she was named Advertising Woman of the Year, and Business Insider just a few years ago named her one of the 15 most important marketing strategy thinkers today, alongside none other than last week's speaker, Seth Godin. These days, she's an entrepreneur, with her primary focus on her startup, Make Love Not Porn. The lecture you'll hear on this episode goes into great detail about Make Love Not Porn's mission and the hurdles that her vision has faced and continues to face. Alongside her primary focus, to support herself, Cindy does paid public speaking and consultancy. And I've got her on the phone here, so let's let her take over. I consult very selectively, only for clients and brands who want to change the game in their particular sector. So you come to me for radical, innovative, groundbreaking, transformative I don't do status quo. And so I like to sum up my consultancy approach as I like to blow shit up. I am the Michael Bay of business. (laughs) I love that. And in preparation for this episode, I came across if we ran the world.com. That's another startup of yours. Yep. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. So um, I actually have two early stage startups, which are both kind of accidents, but um, rather happily turned out to represent the two sides of me. So if we ran the world reflects my professional side, it's my attempt to redesign the future of business. And Make Love Not Porn reflects my personal side, and it's my attempt to redesign the future of sex. If we ran the world comes out of my belief that the future of business is doing good and making money simultaneously. Shared values plus shared action equals shared profit financial profit and social profit. And what I mean by that is when brands and businesses come together with their consumers, their audiences, on the basis of values that you all share, which, by the way, is the most fundamental requirement for good relationship in life as much as business. You will never truly bond with someone if you don't share the same values. So when brands and consumers come together around shared values and when they are then enabled to collectively and collaboratively 
co-act on those values, to walk the talk together, you can then make things happen in the real world that will benefit consumers, benefit society, and benefit the brand and its business. So I was actually working on If We Ran the World um, when Make Love Not Porn blew up in a way that I hadn't expected. And I therefore had to back burner If We Ran the World to focus on building and growing Make Love Not Porn because even I, superhuman as I am, cannot run two startups simultaneously. Make Love Not Porn is starting an important conversation that is way overdue. And we'll have more from this phone call with Cindy towards the end of the episode, so stick around. But now, here's Cindy Gallup from April 2014 in Brooklyn, New York, on Make Love, Not Porn. Thank you very much, guys. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I normally start um, a talk like this by asking if there is anybody in the audience who will be offended by the use of sexually explicit language. But given that you all know why you're here today, I'm going to assume that that is not in fact the case. So um, consider yourselves warned. Um, I, I never um, consciously set out to do anything that I'm doing in this area. It's all been a complete accident. Um, I date younger men, um, who tend to be men in their 20s. And through dating younger men, I realised about seven or eight years ago now that I was encountering an issue that would never have crossed my mind if I had not encountered it very intimately and personally, which is what happens when two things converge. When today's total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. It's the convergence of both of those things that results in porn becoming, by default, the sex education of today in not a good way. And so I found myself encountering a number of, if you like, sexual behavioral memes. I went, whoa, I know where that behavior is coming from. And if I'm experiencing this, then other people must be as well. I'm a very action-oriented person, and I thought I want to do something about this. So five years ago, um, I put up on no money a very basic clunky website at makelovenotporn.com that posts the myths of hardcore porn and balances them with reality. So the construct is porn world versus real world. I had the opportunity to launch Make Love Not Porn at TED, and I took a deliberate decision to be very explicit in my TED talk because I knew that audience would not get this issue unless I was very straightforward about it. As a result, I am to this day the only TED speaker ever to have uttered the words, come on my face, on the TED stage, <laughs> six times in succession. Um, <laughs> the talk went viral as a result, and it drove an extraordinary response to Make Love Not Porn. And the most extraordinary thing was not simply huge amounts of traffic to the site from every country in the world, uh, without my doing anything um, actively to promote it, but... Every single day for the past five years, and this is ongoing, I've received thousands of emails to my Make Love Not Porn inbox, and they come from everybody, young and old, male and female, straight and gay, from every country in the world. And even before the actual website that I put up, what amazes people is simply the fact that I stood on the stage in public, I talked about, and I'm doing something about what everybody knows and nobody ever speaks about. And as a result, people feel able to tell me anything. <laughs> they pour their hearts out to me on email. 
They tell me things about their sex lives and their porn watching habits they've never told anybody else before. They write for advice. 15-year-old boys write for advice. 50-year-old women write for advice. And it was the sheer cumulative impact of those emails arriving day after day after day that eventually began making me feel that I had a personal responsibility to take this venture forwards in a way that would make it more far-reaching, helpful, and effective. So what I decided to do was, um, I have to really emphasize, Make Love Not Porn is not anti-porn. The issue isn't porn. The issue is the complete absence in our society of an open, healthy, honest, truthful conversation around sex in the real world, which if we had it would, among many other benefits, also mean that people would then bring a real world mindset to the viewing of what is essentially artificial entertainment. So our tagline is pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. And our message boils down to very simply talk about it. Talk about sex openly and honestly in the public domain and talk about sex openly and honestly privately in your intimate relationships. And the reason that's important is because we all get very vulnerable when we get naked. Sexual egos are very fragile. People find it bizarrely difficult to talk about sex with the people they're actually having it with while they're actually having it. <laughs> because you are terrified that if you say anything at all about what's going on, if you comment on what's happening, you will hurt the other person's feelings, you'll put them off you, you'll potentially derail the encounter, you might even derail the entire relationship, but at the same time, you want to please your partner, you want to make them happy, you'll seize your cues on how to do that from anywhere you can, and if the only cues you've ever seen or been given are from porn, then those are the ones you'll take to not very good effect. And so that's why we want you to talk about sex, and that's why what I decided to do, therefore, was to take every dynamic that exists out there in social media currently and apply them to the one area that no other social media network or platform is ever going to go, sex, in order to make real-world sex and the discussion around it socially acceptable and therefore just as socially shareable as anything else we currently share on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. So, um, a little over a year ago, I and my brilliant team, and I have to give a big shout out to these guys, my two co-founders, um, Uni Chase, who's our user experience designer, Corey Innes, our CTO, and Sarah Beale, who is our wonderful Madam Curator, Community Managing Curator. Um, a little over a year ago, we launched makelovenotporn.tv, which is a user-generated, crowdsourced video-sharing platform that celebrates real-world sex. So it's effectively the dot-com site brought to life. Anybody from anywhere in the world can submit videos of yourselves having real-world sex. We explain what we mean by that. It's not performative. This is not about performing for the camera but simply about recording what goes on in the real world in all its funny, glorious, messy, silly, beautiful, wonderful humanness. I and my team curate. We watch every video to make sure it's real. And we have a revenue-sharing business model. <laughs> you, we are part of the collaborative economy, just like Uber, Airbnb, TaskRabbit. You pay to rent and stream real-world sex videos. And then 50% of that income goes to you, our contributor, or as we like to call you, our make love, not porn star. <laughs> now, now we, we're not porn, we're not amateur, 
we're real world sex, we're something completely different. Um, so let me give you a few examples of what I mean when I say real world sex. And, and I stress the word examples because, you know, we're putting this platform out there. We haven't the faintest idea what we're going to get back. You know, we don't define what real world sex is. You, our community, you, the world, you show us. But, but here are some of the things we mean when we talk about real world sex. So first of all, real world sex is funny. If you can't laugh at yourselves when you're having sex, when can you? Porn world sex is not funny. Porn has parodies, but the sex in them is in deadly earnest. One of the reasons we're doing this is that we want to reassure people the same shit happens to all of us. <laughs> because we never talk about it. You know, instead we go, oh my God, what happened last night was so excruciatingly embarrassing. I can never speak about this to anybody ever. So, for example, the total nightmare putting the condom on. <laughs> Guys, you're meant to know how to do it like magic. As we all know, does not happen like that. When it doesn't happen like that, things go soft, juices dry up, encounters get derailed. Queefing, fanny farts, we all do it, nothing to be ashamed of. We want a category that's the sexually equivalent of America's funniest home videos. Because when people film themselves having sex, you never see the outtakes, but there's a market for that. Imagine the sex equivalent of Charlie Bit My Finger, which has had over 500 million views on YouTube. Imagine the appeal of something as spontaneous, funny and human in a sex context. So real world sex is funny. Um, real world sex is messy. It amuses me when people talk about porn as being dirty because porn actually sanitizes sex. Porn's very clean. Nobody has hair. You never see anybody using lube, even though they get through gallons on set. You never see any of those nice, messy things that happen in real world sex. So we want categories like period sex. You don't see that in porn. And as a result, very unfortunately, a myth has sprung up for too many young men and women today that goes, whoa, call sex during a period. Whereas it's actually when we're at our horniest. So, you know, blood everywhere, bring it on. That's the real world. <laughs> and then, very importantly, um, real world sex is responsible. So in porn, either there are no condoms, or all of a sudden the condoms are on, jump cut, the fucking, where did that come from? We actively invite the hottest, most arousing real-world sex videos that compete to eroticize condom usage. What's the hottest, most arousing way you can introduce a condom into the action, put it on, take it off, dispose of it? I have sex with condoms all the time. I want to watch my kind of sex, but I particularly want creative ideas for those awkward condom moments that we all go through. And if more of us had more creative ideas on how to make those awkward condom moments hot and arousing, there'd be a lot more safe sex happening, a lot less sexually transmitted diseases, and a lot less unwanted pregnancies. And so we see a huge gap in the market between porn with no condoms, you know, sex ed in the classroom, roll the condom over the banana, it's all about preventing death, disease, destruction. We want to introduce a new sociocultural meme, condom hot. Make condom hot love, not porn. Because, you know, not only do condoms not have to get in the way of great sex, they can actually be an integral part of great sex. Now, um, unfortunately, um, you can't see this um, uh, very well from, from where you are. This, this is where I wanted to show you what our site actually looks like. But we have many social agendas with, with Make Love Not Porn. And here are a couple of them. Um, we have a very specific copy and design philosophy for the site. Unless you're actually streaming video, Everything on makelovenotporn.tv is safe for work. 
This is the site where when somebody suddenly sits down next to you, you never have to slam your laptop shut. It's okay. It's make love, not porn. Our criteria is literally, in everything, the copy, right down to the thumbnails we illustrate the videos with, that you could be on an aeroplane with Wi-Fi. You could have your laptop open at your seat to our site. There could be kids running up and down the aisle next to you. And as long as you're not streaming video, it's absolutely fine. Socially acceptable, socially shareable, real-world sex. Um, another agenda we have that we don't observe anybody really understanding or doing anything about is because we don't talk about sex in the real world, we have no socially acceptable vocabulary with which to do so. The language of porn has rushed in to fill that gap. And that is not a good thing on many fronts, but not least because, as you would expect, in an industry that is male-dominated at the top, the language of porn is predominantly male-generated. So the person who coined the term finger-blasting didn't have a vagina. <laughs> because if you have a vagina and you hear the term finger-blasting, you're going to cross your legs. The person who coined the term getting her ass railed never got his ass railed. <laughs> Pounding, banging, hammering. So what we're doing at Make Love Not Porn is that we are building a new vocabulary for real-world sex. We tag our real-world sex videos completely differently to the usual porn drop-down menu of anal, Asian, hairy, cream pie, whatever. <laughs> we use terms like... We tag our videos with terms like juicy, succulent, our term for oral is downtown. Our tag for anal is deliberately derived from the recipient's experience of anal. We tag our anal sex videos, ow, 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 hey now. <laughs> and, and we're doing this because we want you to take this language and use it beyond our platform in the real world. Because this is language that you can use to talk about sex without having to feel embarrassed about what's coming out of your mouth without having to be worried about who overhears you in the bar or the coffee shop. And it's language you can use in bed to ask what you want in a gender-equal way and in a very positive and celebratory way. So um, um, those are just some principles of, um, of, of, of design and philosophy. Um, now, in amongst those thousands of emails um, that I mentioned um, I receive, um, were, much to my surprise when this first began happening five years ago, a whole lot of emails from people in the porn industry, specifically Generation Y in porn, millennials, 18 to 30-year-olds, because Gen Y in porn is like Gen Y anywhere else. They're entrepreneurial, they're ambitious, they're questioning and challenging the old world order and they want to be a part of the new. And so I found that 20-something porn stars and porn directors were reaching out to me of their own volition, saying, we love Make Love Not Porn. We want to help. As a result, I have a lot of friends in the porn industry, and they're helping us um, with our venture. We have a category on Make Love Not Porn where porn stars get to post the sex they have off-camera in the real world. Because porn stars have real-world sex, too. That is completely different from the sex they have on camera. So my gay porn star friends, lesbian porn star friends, straight porn star friends are sharing the sex they have in the real world, in their real-world relationships, and they talk in our videos about the difference between that and what they do on camera. Generally speaking, the porn industry is very interested and supportive of, of what we're doing. Um, we launched first um, uh, the year before last in private um, closed invitation-only beta. And when we were just two weeks old, we were on the front page of XBiz, which is the adult industry's biggest trade journal, with a headline that said, Cindy Gallup's new website takes aim at porn status quo. 
I give the porn industry full credit for having seen the disruptive potential of what we're doing before the tech and business community and the rest of the world ever did. Um, some other people got very excited about what we're doing um, around the same time. Um, we're a global platform. Um, and th these are quotes from a couple of Italian um, uh, publications. So L'Espresso um, said, and the Italians get very overexcited generally, goodbye you porn, hello make love not porn. Um, this site, if successful, has the potential to topple the giants of the industry like you porn. Um, today in Italy said, hello you porn, make love not porn comes and will make you crazy. The website is still in beta. It promises to change forever the world of online pornography. Now, it was very nice um, to get that sort of coverage at only two weeks old when we were private and nobody could see what we were doing. Um, that's, not, that's not strictly accurate. We are not going up against porn. We occupy a very different role to porn. We're not simply masturbatory material. We are that too, very happy to be that. But um, um, we loved it when one of our members um, summed it up. This is a young man who said to us, watching porn makes me want to jerk off. Watching your videos makes me want to have sex. We're like any other social media platform. We're about connecting people. We're about connecting people by opening up better communication around sex in order to get to better sex, in order to get to better relationships, in order to get to better lives. And ultimately, you know, what Make Love Not Porn is, is it's a badge brand. Ultimately, we want, I support Make Love Not Porn, I'm a member of the Make Love Not Porn community, to be shorthand for, I'm good in bed. And I'm good in bed in the real world sense. I know what real world sex is, and I'm a better lover because of that. Why is all of this important? Well, here's why we're doing what we're doing. Today, the average age at which a child is first exposed to hardcore porn online is eight. And in fact, a global survey done last year indicated that age has now dropped to six. Now, this is not because eight-year-olds go looking for porn. They don't. It's a function of what is utterly inevitable in the world we now live in. It's a function of what somebody shows your child on a cell phone in the playground. It's a function of what happens when your child goes round to a neighbor's house. Because it doesn't matter what parental controls you have in place at home, your kids live their lives in other places. Or, because this is the most wired generation ever, an eight-year-old does something very cute and innocent. They learn a new naughty word and they Google it. Penis, hee hee. One or two clicks away is something they never expect to find. Like the seven-year-old daughter of a friend of mine who, you know, a couple months ago, innocently Googled black tights and spelt it T-I-T-S. I had a letter from um, a, a parent on Facebook last year, a father, a stranger. Um, the headline was, my wife and I cannot thank you enough for what you're doing. He wrote to me and he said, we have a 10-year-old son and we decided it was time to have the sex talk. So I sat down with him and he said to me, Daddy, why do men wear masks when they're having sex? He said, we have parental controls on our iPad, and my 10-year-old son has somehow managed to find his way to a site where men wear masks when they're having sex. And, who, and one hates to think what else is going on simultaneously. Um, he said, you know, we can't thank you enough. When he's older, we're sending him to your site. I received an email from a young woman last year thanking us for Make Love Not Porn that contained the line, when I was eight years old watching my first porn gangbang. This is the way it is today. And the problem we have is that 
um, still very few parents ever talk to their children about sex. And back in my day, if you were one of those very few parents prepared to have the conversation, the conversation used to be purely logistical. So the conversation used to be, this goes into this, when a man loves a woman, the birds and the bees. The conversation you'd have today goes, as a parent, darling, we know you're online, we know you're looking at porn sites, we just need to explain to you that actually, not all women like being tied up, bound, gang-banged, raped, choked, and have men come all over them. And actually, not all men like doing that either. 100% of parents are not having that conversation, and they need to. All of this starts in the home. You cannot begin talking to your child about sex too early. And when I say that, by the way, I don't mean literally talking about sex, but I mean the first time they ask where babies come from, they touch themselves in the bath. And the most important thing is not even what you say, but how you say it. Never get angry. Never get embarrassed. Never slap them down. Never shut them up. Answer them honestly and openly and open up a channel of communication that will always be there for them as they get older. And as part of that communication, you need to make them aware about porn online and the fact that it is not the same thing as real world sex. Um, we are, as I said, just over a year old in public beta. Um, we have, as of today, over 265,000 members um, drawn from all over the world. Um, right now, the second highest source of traffic to make love, not porn after the US is China. Um, some of our highest source of traffic come from India, Pakistan, Indonesia, China, countries that are particularly repressed about sex. Interestingly, um, Facebook and Twitter are banned in China, but you can access makelovenotporn.com and makelovenotporn.tv. <laughs> they haven't rumbled us yet. We have 70 Make Love Not Porn stars. We have 180 videos. We are making money every month, not a huge amount as yet, but we're generating revenue in the tens of thousands of dollars. So in a world where the received wisdom is nobody pays for porn, they're paying for real world sex. A number of our Make Love Not Porn stars are making four figures at each payout. We are the answer to the global economy. Um, we've gotten shed loads of media coverage all around the world without doing one single bit of media outreach. We've had universally positive reactions, and we are seeing the social acceptability dynamics move slowly in the direction we want them to. However, I cannot, I cannot begin to tell you what a battle my team and I fight every single day to build this business. Every piece of business infrastructure any other startup can take for granted, we can't because the small print always says no adult content. It took me two years to get Make Love Not Poor Not TV funded. Very ironic. I should have been every VC and investor's wet dream, literally. <laughs> I have an idea enabled by technology that delivers the Silicon Valley triple whammy, designed to disrupt a sector worth billions of dollars in a way that is both socially beneficial and potentially very financially lucrative. But because that sector is porn and the social benefit is sexuality, no VC investor would come near me. It took me two years of pitching my heart out to find one angel investor who got it, put up a small amount of seed funding to enable us to build the platform. I closed on that funding. I then could not get my hands on the actual money for two months because I couldn't find a single bank here in America that would allow me to open a business bank account for a business that has the word porn in its name, even though our name is Make Love Not Porn, and that does what we do. I still can't. I can't find a bank anywhere in the world that wants our business. Our single biggest operational challenge is putting a payment system in place. Because we're adult content, PayPal won't work with us. Amazon won't. We can't process mainstream credit cards. 
And even something as simple as finding an email partner to send our membership emails out with. We went through five or six who went, we won't touch you, your adult content, until we found SendGrid, whom we are enormously grateful to because they, they partner with us in sending out our emails. This is utterly ridiculous. Our single biggest obstacle on Make Love Not Porn is the social dynamic that I characterize as fear of what other people will think. It is never about what the people we're talking to think. It's about their perceived fear of what everybody else will think, which is wrong-headed because everybody else thinks the same as they do, but they're equally frightened of what everybody else will think. And so, you know, a young VC from San Francisco um, reached out to me last year. He'd seen me speak at a tech conference. He wrote to me. He was, quote, blown away by Make Love Not Porn. We met up. He totally gets it. But he said to me, at the end of the day, it's not about what I think. It's about what every other partner in my firm will think and what every investor in our fund will think. And by the way, fear of what other people will think is the single most paralyzing dynamic in business and in life. The best moment of my life, and this wasn't an actual moment, it was a gradual realization, was the day I realized that I no longer give a damn what anybody thinks. That's enormously liberating and freeing, and it's the only way to live your life and do your business. For us, this is a huge problem, and it's not just a problem for us, because the answer to everything that worries people about sex and porn is not to shut down, censor, clamp down, block, repress, it's to open up. Open up the dialogue in the way that my team and I are doing. Everything we, we do with Make Love Not Porn is about creating social sexual currency to make it easier for everybody to talk about sex. Open up to welcoming, supporting, and funding entrepreneurs who want to disrupt this world for the better. Open up to allowing people like me and my team to do business on the same terms and conditions as everybody else. And that's why um, I have a whole tranche of work I do that is demonstrating to the business and tech community that the next big thing in tech is changing the world through sex. Because I realized very quickly that we have to pave our own way. We have to break down the business barriers in our path if we want to build and scale our venture to a billion-dollar business, which we fully intend to do. And so I'm in the Steve Jobs business of reality distortion. Reality tells me I can't scale my startup in the way that I want to. I'm going to change reality. And so you know, to, um, I created a track at Social Media Week New York back in February on changing the world through sex. I organized Sex Tech Shark Tank a series of sex tech demos from other entrepreneurs operating in this area to a lineup of VCs and investors. I had a panel called No Adult Content, where I and other entrepreneurs in this area talked about the barriers we face with banking finance payments, every one of which is a disruptive business opportunity in itself. We had a panel called Designing Intimate Interfaces, which Uni, my co-founder, and our UX lead was on, because when you design interfaces for this most sensitive area of people's lives, it's a whole different thought process and design process. Um, I presented Eat24's brilliant case study on how to advertise on a porn website, and I had a panel called Changing the World Through Sex in Popular Culture, because this isn't just about what we're doing. It's about the fact that we need more open, healthy, honest, authentic depictions of sex in Hollywood, television, music videos, publishing, literature, everywhere. To, to, to balance out the fact that we don't talk about sex and people are only getting their information from one place. And by the way, I regularly hear the argument that goes, um, oh, but surely everyone knows that porn is fantasy. 
come on. You know, thinking that porn is real sex is like thinking that you can learn about driving from the Fast and the Furious. Here's, here's a difference. From the moment we're born and as we grow up as kids, we are taught about driving and traffic. We are taught to look both ways when we cross the road. We drive in cars with our parents. We know that you can't drive until you've qualified. We learn the rules of good driving. When we're old enough, we take driving lessons. Um, we obey the rules of the road. We talk every single day about driving. We never talk about sex. That's the difference. And um, the reason it is particularly important for the tech and business community to understand this is because um, I bring a very unique perspective to the porn industry. I bring a business perspective. And it's unique not because I'm special in that regard, but because the people whose brilliant brains populate the pages of the Harvard Business Review have no interest in turning any of that brilliance on the adult industry. And they should, because people don't realize how much everything we're worried about is actually driven by business issues that require business solutions. So porn is like any other industry that I study as a business consultant. Porn has gotten so big, it's gotten conventional. Porn now has norms and rules and conventions, which is why so much of it is so repetitive and boring. It's fallen prey to the syndrome that I call collaborative competition. Collaborative competition is where everybody in a sector competes with everyone else in the sector by doing exactly the same thing everyone else in the sector is doing. And it's tanking. Its old world order business model has been destroyed by the advent of free porn online, and it hasn't invented a new one. Now, every dynamic I've just cited is also true of the music industry, of television, of journalism, publishing, advertising, every sector you can name. It's just the way those dynamics manifest in porn is more controversial and distressing. So I have to explain that the explosive growth in extreme violent porn is not driven by evil, twisted, malignant, vicious forces that work within the porn stream. It is not driven by, oh my God, we'll all become more depraved and corrupt as human beings. It's driven by, very boringly and prosaically, a bunch of guys, scared shitless because they're not making any money, doing what bunches of guys, scared shitless not making any money, do in every industry, which is play it safe. Oh look, they're making that stuff, that must be what makes money, let's do that too. Oh look, they're doing this, we should do that too. As in washing powder, so in porn. And that's why business solutions are so important, because I like to repurpose um, Wayne LaPierre, the NRA's famous gun control quote, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a business is a good guy with a better business. <laughs> and that's why um, we were absolutely thrilled um, to see last week the most wonderful article on us, written by C.V. Harquell, whom I believe is here today. C.V., are you in the audience? I, th I think she was going to try and come, but she, she's a consultant academic, and she, she has written um, an entire article about Make Love Not Porn as a business. And we're thrilled about that, firstly because a lot of the coverage of us defaults to the sex and salaciousness, and people don't understand what a disruptive business strategy and business model we chose to achieve our social mission. And secondly, I was blown away by her article because while she interviewed me a few years ago about my other startup, If We Ran the World, I've never spoken to her about Make Love Not Porn, and we had no idea at all that she was writing this piece. And she says in it, no startup challenges our norms about appropriate business more than Make Love Not Porn. Make Love Not Porn rents videos, but it sells social change. 
love not porn is not only changing how we think about sex, it's changing how we think about business. And it's an enormously perceptive piece, which I, I would urge you all to read. Um, I will retweet it um, again after this talk. But um, the reason that's important is because my other startup, If We Ran the World, which, got, which gets a lot less airtime and which I've had to back burner in order to build Make Love Not Porn, is about the fact that I believe the business model of the future is shared values plus shared action equals shared profit financial profit and social profit. When brands and businesses come together with their consumers and their audiences on the basis of values that you all share, which by the way is the most fundamental requirement for any good relationship in life as much as business, and when you then act on those values together, you can create impacts in the real world that benefit consumers, benefit society, and benefit the brand and its business. If we round the world as co-action software that enables brands and their audiences to do that, and I designed Make Love Not Porn's business model around that principle. And so um, one of the things that um, I would also just highlight on this um, is if you find what I'm doing with Make Love Not Porn intriguing and interesting, here's what I want you to take away from it. This is what a venture concepted by a woman co-founded by two women and a man and built by a tech team that is more female than male looks like. Different. Women innovate. As I like to say, women challenge the status quo because we are never it. <laughs> the day we have a porn industry that is 50-50 equally informed, influenced, designed, managed, and led from the top by women as well as men, that therefore 50-50 equally targets its product, its output, just as much at women as well as men, as opposed to currently mistakenly thinking that men are the only audience, and that therefore, very importantly, makes 50% of its money out of women just as much as men, is the day we have a porn industry that looks very, very different. More innovative, more disruptive, more creative, and a better industry overall. And exactly the same goes for every other industry. And so... Um, I want to ask all of your help. I have no pride. I appeal for help everywhere I go because it's so bloody difficult building this business. Um, in the first instance, please, every one of you in this room, sign up to makelovenotporn.tv. Rent one video. That'll really help us straight away. Um, I depressingly have to caveat this with... Um, don't sign up immediately following this talk because just before I came out this morning, we have a glitch on the sign-up front. Give us time to sort it. Um, you know, sign up tomorrow. Hang out with us at the weekend. Always a good time. Um, if, if any of you um, know anybody who might be interested in, in investing um, and funding us, please let us know. Because um, just so you know, um, while I've explained why institutional investment is close to us, fear of what other people think, here, here's why angel investment and crowdfunding are both very difficult options for us. With angel investors, any other startup can target. They can go you know, with individuals, oh, so-and-so has publicly stated they want to invest in clean tech. So-and-so has a portfolio of investments that shows that they're interested in this area. Sex is the one area where you cannot tell from the outside what anybody thinks on the inside. And that's why I promote Make Love Not Porn all the time and put it out there, because I have to rely on something that we put out there, resonating with somebody who will then reach out to me. And just to explain to, because people regularly say, Cindy, what about crowdfunding? Well, Kickstarter won't take adult content. 
as is the case with a number of these platforms. But more importantly, successful crowdfunding requires a very large number of people willing to rally very publicly around something and very publicly invite lots of people in to rally around it too. People will, will very willingly publicly rally around a piece of hardware, a video game, a movie concept. They will not publicly rally around anything to do with sex. Fear what other people think. I see that in my social media feed every day because I'm a Facebook and Twitter addict. I tweet about all sorts of things, tech, business, feminism, advertising, sex, make love, not porn. And my posts and tweets about make love, not porn and sex are never retweeted and shared at the same level that everything else I put out there is. And I know this having, having spoken to friends who've said to me, you're absolutely right, Cindy. I'm a parent. I support everything Make Love Not Porn is about. I read all your posts. I don't retweet them and share them with my followers. Again, that's what we're up against. And so if any of you know anybody who's interested in funding us, if any of you know anybody who owns a bank, you know, because, because that's, that's a level we have to go in at. Anybody who owns a credit card processing company, you know, we would love to hear from them. Um, and we would just appreciate all the help and support that any of you can give us in really taking our social mission forward and being able to build and grow this business. Because I hope you realize from everything I've said how enormously important it is. And so um, I want to um, uh, end there. And I would love to take any questions and um, you know, any comments any of you have. Thank you very much. Cindy took a couple of questions from the audience, and we'll get to those in a second, as well as the rest of our phone conversation. But first, let's take care of some business. This episode is also made possible by Envision. And when it comes to tech stuff, I am not the brightest guy. <laughs> but the director of user experience at Vice, Jessica Brown, is here to make me smarter. Totally. Um, <laughs> Envision is a way to share and discuss designs with stakeholders, users, basically anyone who has an interest in the products that are being designed. It's a really helpful tool to see, you know, how designs are progressing, have conversations around them. Right. So say I work with you at Vice and I'm not on the technical side of things, but I want to know how the new mobile app is looking. You would just send me an Envision link? Exactly. If you wanted to see it on your mobile phone, it could replicate a lot of the things that the phone does. So transitions, having elements on the screen be sticky and stay in place. So you could follow that link and click through and basically have have a prototype app experience. Giving teams the freedom to prototype, review, iterate, manage, and user test web and mobile products without a single line of code, Envision helps 2 million designers at companies like Evernote, Adobe, Twitter, and Salesforce unlock the power of design-driven product development. Do I sound like I know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Follow the company on Twitter at Envision App. The first question Cindy Gallup took from the audience asked if she sees any similarities between the battles that Make Love Not Porn is facing compared with the battle to legalize marijuana. You're absolutely right. Um, that's, that's a very direct parallel. Um, it's legal, but nevertheless, a whole range of services, particularly financial institutions, won't work with, with, with those producers. So it's, it's very similar. And, and by the way, guys, um, I will just explain at this point, because I regularly get asked this. We can't work with adult industry-specific partners um, in, in, this, in the area of finance and payments. And the reason for that is because, first of all, the single most important thing about any business partner we work with is that before anything else, they have to get what we're doing, believe in it, support it, and want to help make it happen. Otherwise, it's just too difficult to work together. When I talk to adult industry partners, their reaction is, 
yeah, yeah, social mission, social values, you're porn like all the rest. And we can't work well with somebody who's coming from that perspective. But also, importantly, they don't support our business model. So we share our income 50-50, net a small amount to cover hosting and transaction fees for each video rental. That means that we need transaction fees to be as low as possible, mainstream rates, you know, 3 3.5%. For all the reasons I've outlined, because the adult industry has nowhere else to go, the rates with those providers are extortionate. And they're usually predicated on cash flow. So they go, you know, if you put zero to so many thousand dollars through us a month, 15%, then it gets marginally better the more money you put through. And the third reason, by the way, rather ironically, is that we are too high risk for them. So I literally had an adult payment division say to me, you're a startup, no track record, no cash flow, no funds, no assets. You are too high risk for us to work with. And so that's why, unfortunately, that area doesn't offer any solutions. The second question was if there are any other powerful feminists who could get behind Make Love Not Porn by lending their platforms, naming for one, Ariana Huffington. Um, I, would, I would love more women to, to absolutely rally behind what I'm doing because um, I was asked in an interview once, um, do you think if you were a male founder, you'd encounter the same problems? And I said, um, to be perfectly honest, I don't think this concept would ever have been thought up by a man, actually. It, 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 uh, fair enough, guys. Um, I, I think, you know, I haven't, I haven't broached this with, with Ariana, um, love somebody to do so, but, um, but you would be surprised um, how many people fear of what other people will think kicks in with. And, and, and that's what they don't want to... They are worried needlessly about alienating part of their own franchise or audience. And I say needlessly because um, I think one of the reasons MakeLoveNotPorn.com, the original basic site, gen generated and continues to generate such a massive response is because it's a manifestation of me. And what I mean by that is it's very simple, very straightforward, down-to-earth, truthful, honest, open... Um, utterly non-judgmental, and it has a sense of humor. We never get to have conversations about sex within those parameters. And when we do, the floodgates open. When you understand what we're doing, nobody can argue with what we're doing. I've, I've spoken on Christian fundamentalist radio shows where, where they totally get it when I talk about it, and, and they absolutely endorse it. And so fear of what other people think is utterly needless, but it's extraordinary how entrenched it is for, for so many people, which is our barrier there. If anybody can help us break through that barrier, again, we would, we would love that help and assistance. Okay. For more on this theme and to browse the complete archives, you can go to creativemornings.com. I still had a few questions for Cindy myself before getting off the phone. Mainly, since this took place in 2014, have you seen any progress in regards to Make Love Not Porn and the hurdles you faced then? So, um... There are, there are two answers to that, um, Matt. Um, and the first is um, enormously encouraging, and the second is enormously depressing. Okay. So, so the, the enormously encouraging um, factor is that, you know, our mission with Make Love Not Porn is one thing and one thing only, to help make it easier for people to talk about sex in order to socialize sex and make real-world sex and the discussion around it socially acceptable and therefore ultimately just as socially shareable as anything else we share on you know facebook tumblr instagram twitter etc uh, we have absolutely seen the social acceptability needle moving in the direction that, that we want and, and incidentally um matt you know um, i would love um our audience to be aware that frustratingly um 
I can only provide anecdotal evidence for this because nobody is funding any form of analytics or industry-wide measurement in this area. And so I can't point to data and statistics and you know, quantitative measurements of, of the impact we're having. What I can tell you is that, you know, we get emails every single day from our community. We get ongoing media coverage all around the world without doing one single bit of media or PR outreach ourselves. And, and so we are more and more in the mainstream media and there is more and more interest and enthusiasm for what we're doing in the realm of social sex. At the same time, however, and this is particularly frustrating when it comes to actual growth and scaling of Make Love Not Porn. You know, all of the business obstacles that I talk to the Creative Mornings audience about um, have not gone away and continue to persist. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, 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 it, it absolutely is. And so that's why um, what, what I have done in the past couple of years is I have redoubled my efforts to, to do what I always advise other entrepreneurs to do, which is when you have a truly world-changing startup, you have to change the world to fit it, not the other way around. You know, um, I, I would love to do what any tech startup would normally, which is point to significant growth in the past couple of years. But because of all the obstacles we battle and because I still have not been able to secure the funding I'm looking for, what, what I have to say to the audience is what I say to my team every year, which is that, quite frankly, Matt, our biggest achievement is we're still here. Right. In a world where startups go under every day, Given all the obstacles we face, quite frankly, it's a major achievement. Make Love Not Porn is still going. <laughs> and so I would like to give us full credit for that. <laughs> Absol absolutely. Um, one, one thing I found to be most important in your mission is the education aspect. I'm living proof of this generation that went through the awkward elementary school mandatory oh, sex God. ed class that oh maybe happened once. Yep. And other than that. Like what, HBO's Real Sex? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Which we all watched fervently back in the day. <laughs> right. Right. And the internet was not a thing. And even at the beginning, the accessibility of porn was nowhere near what it is today. And so this education for younger people, I think, is too important to be avoided because of this fear of what other people think. No, no exactly. And one of the things we want to raise funding for is to build out a component of Make Love Not Porn that is what I characterize as the Khan Academy of Sex Education. Khan Academy tutors on every other topic under the sun except this one. And so we want to build out a component of Make Love Not Porn that is Make Love Not Porn Academy. I've bought the URL. Um, which is concept along exactly the same lines as makelovenotporn.tv. User-generated, crowdsourced, um, curated, revenue sharing. And what I mean by that is this is where we would build and open up part of our platform and invite global sex educators from all around the world to submit to us their materials, videos, books, tools, papers, coursework, comic strips, anything that they create um, that is sex education, we, we would curate um, these materials. We would publish them segmented by age appropriateness. So, you know, if you're a parent going, oh, my God, my seven-year-old just asked about this. What do I do? You can go here. If you're a teacher, because teachers write to us all the time, along with parents, teachers don't have the materials to use in their classrooms to talk about this issue. You know, if you're a teacher of the class of 12, 14-year-olds, you can go here. If you're an adult who wants to learn more, you can go here. 
we will charge to you know subscribe download bulk buy if you're a school and we will split the revenue 50-50 with its creators in exactly the same way that we do with our Make Love Not Porn Stars. Because currently, nobody goes into sex education to make money. And I would like to change that. Because sex education is enormously valuable work. And society and our educational system does not reward people who are passionate about and committed to and want to do sex education. Well, I wish you luck with that because it sounds like a huge step in the right direction. Oh, thank you. And we have one last question for you before you go, and it's how we end every episode of the podcast. The question is, how do you challenge yourself creatively? Um, I guess I would say that um, I don't have to challenge myself because I am challenged creatively every single day. In order to build a sex tech startup, you have to get enormously creative about everything because everything is a problem. To keep my startup alive, to grow it, in a world that is utterly hypocritical about the fact that we all have sex, we all enjoy it, and yet we refuse to do anything to support and fund the people who want to help us change the world through sex for the better. You know, I'm creative every single minute of every single day, just trying to make that happen. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time, Cindy. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Terrific. Take care, Matt. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Remember, we also want your answers. How do you challenge yourself creatively? So pick up your phone, open the voice memo app, send us your audio to podcast at creativemornings.com. Next week, we'll be featuring Rochelle King, VP of Data, Insights, and Design at Spotify. Rochelle spoke on the topic of conflict at Creative Mornings Stockholm as part of a series on work. Okay, so I don't know how many of you are like me, but when I have a really great idea... I have to just go find someone to share that idea with. And if I'm totally honest, I usually find someone who's a kindred spirit. But in reality, this is the best time for you to actually seek out your enemy and share your idea with them. Our thanks to Cindy Gallup and everyone at Creative Mornings. This episode was produced and edited by S. Mateo with sound engineering, mixing, and original score by Devin C. Johnson at Little Library Studios in collaboration with S. Mateo Music. This week's rooster comes courtesy of Ibrahim in Tijuana, Mexico. Follow us on Twitter at Creative Morning. Remember, it's singular. And use hashtag PodcastCM when you tweet at us. For a complete archive of talks or just to get involved, go to creativemornings.com.